You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Packernet Podcast. I am your guest host once again, JJ Leahy. Check us out online as always at Packernet.com and follow me on Twitter at JJ Leahy. Well, we got some a little bit of newsy news. We got uh, Jason Lockhanfora making headlines talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers is intrigued by the Raiders. We'll, we'll dive into that and figure out where that came from. We got Ron Wolf coming out of the woodwork again. Uh, he did an interview with Ty Dunn, I guess, a week ago or so. And then today he was on uh, Wendy's Big Show talking about these quarterbacks. And he was specifically talking about Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, calling them divas, talking about, I can't believe the, Jane, the game has changed so much. Quarterbacks want to be more than quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, he said, yeah, back in my day, we hired. Hired a guy to come in and play quarterback, and now they want to be the coach and the GM as well. So my favorite was some guy named Mike Golick Jr. I've never heard of this guy. He's on Twitter. His bio, his, his Twitter bio says, Suey winner, like call Suey to a pig. Suey, pig, pig. Suey winner for best story of 2017. Co-host of... Chiney or Chinay and Gallic Jr. Your booze mean nothing. I seen what makes you cheer. <clears throat> so <laughs> he's got a, a verified check mark and everything. So this is the brain we we're talking about here. He quote tweets <laughs> what Ron Wolf says and said, We need to hear from more obscure former Packers. <laughs> he's like trying to drum up suggestions, you know, and people are coming out saying, Oh, yeah, you know, you got to. We got to hear from uh, BJ Raji and, uh, uh, you know, all, all these different guys. Yeah, apparently, Ron Wolf is obscure now. So go figure. <laughs> I mean, he's only in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the Vikings signed Perry Nickerson. If you forgot up until now who Perry Nickerson was, he was a cornerback that we picked up last season. He played two snaps for us and then went on IR. And now he's a Viking. Uh, Packers signed Kurt Bankert. He is now QB four, technically. Although since Rogers is apparently saying that he's not coming back, you know, <clears throat> until they could manage to convince him to change his mind, I guess he would really be QB three. He was QB three in Atlanta behind Matt Ryan and Matt Schaub. Kurt Bankert, the former Virginia quarterback, is now the only. Packers quarterback on the roster who is not a former first round pick. Now, Blake Bortles was the number three overall pick, so obviously he's the best. And then you got Aaron Rodgers, the scrub, you know, drafted at pick 24 or something. And what a loser. 
Jordan Love at 26. So I just don't understand why everybody's, you know, all up in arms that, you know, the Packers, whatever, I guess they don't support Rodgers with, you know, first-round offensive weapons. Two first-round picks right there, you know, in the quarterback room. Uh, I don't see what the problem is. Kurt Bankert here kind of, you know, he, he was undrafted. He kind of drags the average down a bit. Only 66% of the backup quarterbacks on this team are first-round picks, and that's just not... It's just not going to cut it in today's NFL. Now, Bankert actually spent 2018 and 2020 with Atlanta on the practice squad, and he missed the entire 2019 season on IR. So I'm excited to get to talk to you guys today. Uh, Got a player I want to highlight. You already know who it is because you can see the title of today's episode. I almost messaged Ryan today and asked him uh, if he had any gaps coming up on the schedule when I could talk about Mr. Koi Kronk. But instead, I got a nice message at uh, 10 p.m. because I'm in a, you know, it's <laughs> it's not even just that Ryan messages me late. I'm also in a different time zone from him. Hey, man, you want to do the podcast again? I know you're in bed and all. Well, yes. Would have liked to have gotten started on it a few hours earlier, but yes, I want to do it. So, anyways, I let's let's go through the 90-man roster, because that's where we're at. Bankert is number 90. He is uh, going to be wearing jersey number 7. Blake Bortles doesn't have a jersey number, but everybody else does. Uh, and then uh, we're still waiting on Eric Stokes and Amari Rogers to sign their contracts. Everybody else who was drafted this year uh, have signed. So, let's go through it. we got four quarterbacks on the roster. Already went through those guys. Uh, six running backs, if you can believe it. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Dexter Williams, Mike Weber, Patrick Taylor, and Kylan Hill. There's a lot of Kylan Hill fans out there. It'll be interesting to see uh, how many running backs they end up keeping on the uh, 53. I am kind of of the opinion that they're going to keep four guys. I think uh, behind Dillon, you got a bunch of question marks. Dexter has had every opportunity out there and we all love Dexter. I'm a, I am possibly the biggest Dexter fan you're going to meet. And I'm surprised that he got invited back this year because the coaches, uh, LaFleur just does not seem to like Dexter, but we'll see. Maybe we can turn a corner here. Mike Weber. Uh, I, I got to watch him in um, pretty, pretty good detail at Ohio state. Uh, he was a, a serviceable uh, backup to J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Patrick Taylor is easily the guy I know the least about. He's been on the roster for over a year. I know nothing about him. So I'm not going to try and pretend to tell you what he's all about. So in uh, 2020, they kept three running backs. You had Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. I'm sorry, they kept four running backs. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams... Uh, A.J. Dillon and Tyler Irvin. In 2019, they had three. Uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Dexter Williams. Now, 2018, obviously, we had a different, whole different coaching staff, different, you know, head coach and philosophy. But it was an interesting situation, and it's, you know, still kind of include, includes sort of the same roster we got now. So it's worth talking about. 2018, they technically went into the season with only two running backs, Jamal Williams, and Ty Montgomery. They released five guys, Aaron Rutkowski, Joe Carriage. I don't know how you say this guy's name. I don't even remember this guy. 
Leshun, L-E, capital S-H-U-N, Leshun Daniels. I don't remember the guy at all. Uh, I don't remember this guy either. Joel, Joel Boagnon. Starting to feel stupid. And uh, Bronson Hill. They cut five guys. Aaron Jones and Devontae Mays were both on reserve. Uh, Jones was suspended for smoking weed, and Devontae Mays was injured. So actually, the 2019 season where they just kept uh, three guys on the roster heading into the into the regular season was kind of the outlier. Every other year, they have basically had four guys in that running back room. Also worth noting, in that 2019 season, they ended up needing to bring in Tyler Irvin later in the year. Um, was that because three guys wasn't enough, or was it because Dexter sucked and couldn't get on the field? Well, I mean, the, the reason they brought him in was to fix the return game, but they got him involved on the offense almost right away as well. I think that they will keep four running backs this year. I think, uh, you know, they spent a 2021 draft pick on Kylan Hill. I think he'll make the cut. I think Dexter is on his last chance here. The dude seriously has to step up his pass protection, which is also what I have repeatedly said is what Kylan Hill needs to work on. I don't really think we have much in uh, Mike Weber or Patrick Taylor, but of those three guys, I think one of them makes the roster. And that's probably going to come down to who can be the biggest special teams contributor. Also look for the Packers to potentially bring in additional running backs throughout the preseason. Wide receiver, we have 11 guys. We've got Devontae, MVS, Lazard, EQ, Devin Funchess, Malik Taylor, Reggie Bagleton, Juwan Winfrey, Chris Blair, Bailey Gaither, and of course, Amari Rogers. Chris Blair was signed to a futures contract uh, the tail end of last season. He never played for us. Juwan Winfrey did play in, I believe, one game. He was elevated from the practice squad. Reggie Begleton was elevated twice. He had a couple of snaps. Malik Taylor uh, was on the roster all year. Devin Funches, of course, was out. So Funches, Chris Blair, and Rogers, uh, and Bailey Gaither, these are the guys we haven't really seen. Obviously, we do know what we have in Funches. Uh, it'll be nice to add a veteran presence to that room. Tight end, we got seven guys. Mercedes, Tunyon, Jace, DeGuara, Dominique Daphne, Isaac Nada, and Bronson Kofusi. Tight end right now, I think, is one of the positions on the team you can most confidently say we actually have solid depth and veteran depth. The team usually only keeps four tight ends on the active roster. They have five that they clearly have a lot of confidence in. I think Dominique Daphne would be at the bottom of that list. And then he got, you know, two uh, flyer guys that you can see what they could do. This is also a tight end room that is extremely versatile. You got just a bunch of different kinds of tight ends on this roster. Mercedes Lewis, obviously we know what we have in him. Uh, he does add some to the passing game, but he's just a monster, physical, you know, brute, uh, great run blocker, great pass blocker. Tunyon has been filling in that Jimmy Graham role, which uh, Jace, I, th- I believe, is really supposed to be as well. Again, I really would not be surprised if this is Tunyon's last year with the team. Uh, you know, it depends on what he can do stat-wise. I think that his um, touchdown ratio 
um, you know, compared to what he was doing on a down to down you know, basis last year, I think really was inflated and kind of unsustainable. Really not expecting him to repeat this year. It would be awesome if he does. But my guess is next year he's going to be wanting a contract based off of those touchdowns he got last year. And, you know, it's up to up to him to prove that he can repeat this year. But like I said, you know, you got the, the versatility, you got, you know, DeGuara filling in that F or that H back. Dominic Daphne, we didn't just just didn't see a ton of him to really know what we got in him. I, I, I liked the mix of his uh, he, he played a lot more like a, a fullback than anything last year. But he was, you know, definitely a, a target real late in the year in the receiving game as well. Like to see that. So you got not only a versatile group of different kinds of tight ends on here, you also got a really nice mix of veterans and up and comers. It's always hard for me to remember to put in these ad breaks here, but got to do that. We'll take a quick commercial break and I'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Now, offensive line, we have 16 guys on the roster. Six of those have been drafted in the last two years. We also brought in uh, three undra- uh, undrafted guys this year. So from the top, you got David Bakhtiari. Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, Lucas Patrick, John Runyon, Simon Stepniak, Ben Braden, Yash Nijman, Zach Johnson, Jake Hansen, Josh Myers, Royce Newman, Cole Van Lannan, John Deason, Coy Cronk, and Jacob Capra. So that would be four returning starters from last season, six draft picks added in the last two years, three undrafted free agents this year, which leaves three street free agents we picked up uh, last year. Well, no, two. Two and Yash Nijman. Ben Braden and Zach Johnson we just picked up off the street last year. Bunch of question marks all over, and you got a you know, it's you got a bunch of different puzzle pieces, and how do you actually fit them together? That's gonna be exciting to see what they do. It does sound promising that Bakhtiari might not actually miss time after all. That would be phenomenal, which would mean Billy Turner is probably automatically your your right tackle again. Josh Myers should be the front runner to replace Corey Lindsley at center. Obviously, not a guarantee he's going to get the job, but I think he should be the front runner. 
Elton is another option there. And then you have just a pile of guys that you could be slotting in at either of the guard positions. The next two positions are without a doubt the weakest spot on the roster if you don't include quarterback. Starting with the defensive line, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and nobody. (laughs) Okay, Kenny Clark, there's nine guys in the room, if you can believe it. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, Willington Prevlon, yes, he is back with the team again, Anthony Rush, Delonte Scott, TJ Slayton, and Jack Heflin. Now, I think it's interesting that Delonte Scott is lumped in with these guys because he is a uh, an outside linebacker, but they have him listed here on uh, Packers Wire on USA Today, listed with the D-line. We don't know what we got in him because he has never really played for us. So, some good news and bad news here. Good news is uh, you didn't lose anybody from last year. Bad news is you didn't have anybody last year. So we brought in a fifth-round pick in TJ Slayton and an undrafted free agent, Jack Heflin. I believe he's from Iowa. Yeah, Iowa, that's right. And as sad as the defensive line is, the inside linebacker room is considerably worse. Chris Barnes, Kamal Martin, Oren Burks, Ty Summers, Scooter Harris, Ray Wilborn, and Isaiah McDuffie. So we lost Christian Kirksey, which is fine because he just was pretty terrible, and swapped him for Isaiah McDuffie. I, I think that's, I mean, about a one-for-one. One. Uh, at least you're saving a lot of money. I don't know. There's a lot of beat writers out there who are laboring under the assumption the Packers are bringing in a veteran linebacker. I heard the quote. I heard Goody talking about, you know, additions he wants to make in the uh, in the preseason here. I didn't have that same takeaway. The Packers don't seem to value linebacker at all. He did spend a draft pick on McDuffie, who, by the way, he specifically mentioned McDuffie and Kylan Hill as, you know, he kind of drafted them with special teams in mind, not saying that they can't be starters on offense and defense, uh, but you know, the quote was something to the effect of, yeah, special teams was a big focus here in this draft, particularly with my last couple of picks. Well, that was McDuffie and Hill. I think we got to just brace ourselves to have the same um, expectations of the inside linebacker room as we have the last couple of years. I think the Christian Kirksey hype got way out of hand last year. I think we're going to see the same thing with uh, McDuffie. I think you're going to see a lot of Isaiah McDuffie fans. Um, not saying he's a bad player, but you know, he was a sixth round pick. I think he's probably going to be buried on the depth chart to start the year behind, uh, Barnes and Martin. Obviously, Oren Burks was a third round pick. Uh, he pretty much played himself off the defense last year, but you got a new defensive coordinator in town. I think he's going to be excited by Burks's freak athletic talents. We'll see. You know, he's a linebackers coach. Hopefully he has a nose for this sort of thing and, and, We'll know right away if a guy like Burks is usable or if we got to move on from him. We'll see. As far as I know, uh, Barry has not actually met you know any any of you know those type of guys yet. You know, they had the rookie mini camp, but obviously uh, only McDuffie was going to be at that one. Edge rusher, it's basically the same group as last year: Zadarius Preston, Rashawn, Randy Ramsey, Jonathan Garvin, Tipicalea, and Carlo Kemp is the new addition, another undrafted free agent. 
this time out of Michigan. Uh, he was on the roster back when Rashawn Gary was there, so they did play together. And obviously there's no hiding the fact that the Packers believe Preston is going to have a bounce back year this year. They have certainly not hit at all that that is their expectation of him, that uh, last year was unacceptable and that they don't think that that is who he is. We'll see. Cornerback, Jay Alexander, Kevin King, Eric Stokes, Shamar Jean Charles, Shannon Sullivan, Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, Kavari Russell, Stanford Samuels, and Kavion Ento. Rest in peace, Perry Nickerson. Have fun with the Vikings. Hope that, uh, you know, you do well, but not the rest of your team, and that you don't do well when you play the Packers. Again, not expecting Eric Stokes to start the season. Uh, I think that he'll be buried on the depth chart behind Kevin King for, you know, first half of the season, I would guess. Safety, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, Will Redmond. Henry Black, Vernon Scott, NS Gaines, new edition, Christian Uphoff. Christian Uphoff has a bunch of fans and supporters out there who are um, very vocal about the fact that he is going to be a starter, that he's uh, going to be way up there. Look, they you know they don't have Raven Green anymore, so there is an open spot there. Uh, Uphoff was not drafted, so... Good luck to you. You got to beat out Will Redmond, Henry Black, Vernon Scott, and Ennis Gaines. That's not the hardest thing in the world. So if he's any good, uh, roster spot should be his for the taking. We'll see. And then rounding out, you got uh, the final six spots on the roster are dedicated to two kickers, two punters, and two long snappers. So J.J. Molson, Ryan Winslow, and Joe Fortunato are going to come in and provide some competition, Uh, you know, LaFleur has made no, and, and Goody both have made no bones about the fact that they were very ticked off about the special teams play last year. Sean Menenga got uh, dismissed. Tyler Irvin went bye-bye. And now the, uh, you know, three remaining core special teamers here have gotten some competition. You got Amari Rogers, Isaiah McDuffie, and Kylan Hill are all brought in to help out special teams. Obviously, you know, Amari was... First and foremost, we expect it to be a, an offensive contributor, but you earn your way onto the offense through special teams. I think Amari is, you can pretty much ink that one in that he's supposed to be the uh, day one punt and kick returner. Kylan Hill, I think, would be the next guy up to challenge him for those snaps. Maybe you get uh, Shamar Jean Charles or Eric Stokes. Uh, man, Stokes is so fast. <laughs> if he could, uh, If he could do it, that'd be awesome. Packers also tried to bring in another long snapper as well. So we're going to have, I don't know if they're going to have three long snappers or if they were going to move on from Hunter Bradley or Joe Fortunato. Not sure, uh, but they did try and claim a guy. And then uh, I believe San Francisco is the team who was ahead of us on the waiver wire and got him first. So there you go. There's our 90 current Green Bay Packers. Should be a fun group. I think that... Uh, if you put aside the question mark at quarterback, I think that this whole roster looks a lot better than it did last year and obviously way better than it did two and three years ago. Side note, Jordan Love is in town, and I guess he and Equinemius got together and were throwing the ball around. Looks pretty good together. Uh, you know, these these are both players that we really need to see something from, I think. Uh, EQ has kind of a long road to the roster, especially with Amari Rogers getting drafted. I, you know, he's 
possibly the the odd man out. You got Funches coming back in. You got Mario Rogers coming in. EQ is going to really have to show something. Um, you know, from a physical standpoint, he's he's got all the tools to put it together. And you know what you know what it means when you get a guy who was drafted as late as he was, who has all his physical tools. You know, the consistency just isn't there. The mental side of it just isn't there. And that's what we've seen from him since he entered the league. So, uh, but it was nice to see, you know, those two guys looking good today in their, you know, their little private workout together. Looks like uh, Love's footwork continues to improve, which is nice to see. So we're going to take a little break and I'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we got to talk about this Jason Lock and Fora thing. <clears throat> so the report out there that has everybody all talking is Jason Lock and Fora reports Rogers, quote, intrigued by the Raiders. Okay, sounds like we have some new information there. Let's listen into what he actually said. Right off the bat, by the way, this kind of gets, you know, goes off the road a little bit because <clears throat> the story then, if you actually go check out what NFL and CBS was saying about the program they had going where Jason went on and allegedly, <laughs> allegedly reported Rodgers is intrigued, quote, by the Raiders, they're selling this as... Jason Lockenfora, our NFL insider, names the most logical landing spots for Aaron Rodgers should he be moved. Okay, give me a break. I I don't care about the most logical spots. Do you have new information? Let's tune in and see. All right, real quick here. So Rodgers came out that he's intrigued by the Raiders as a potential landing spot. JLC, you see him going to Sin City? I think there's a number of places he'd be open to playing. Uh, Russell Wilson was intrigued by uh, by Vegas. Uh, I, I wouldn't start handicapping teams at this point. Uh, it will come down to who's willing to give up the most draft capital, the most assets. Uh, I think there's a lot of people. You don't think Sean Payton thinks he could get another ring with this guy? Um, you know, Carolina, fifth-year option or not for Sam Darnold, that's a billionaire who's out to really upgrade at the quarterback position. Uh, he, he could end up any number of spots. So that's a big fat nothing. He's not even the guy who broke this quote unquote intrigued by the Raiders report. Why that's getting attributed to Jason Lockenfora, I have no idea. He's not even claiming that he broke it. In fact, the girl talking to him is the one who says, well, you know, that report came out, blah, blah, blah. You know, right away, this is kind of a good example of how these news stories get going here. Nobody actually listened to the interview where Lock and Fora and the interviewing lady had this little exchange. They start just immediately writing all these posts and articles and tweets talking about, oh, J you know, JLC uh, reported that he's intrigued, blah, blah, blah. 
Let's keep doing some digging. Where did that story come from? Because it's not Jason. I listen. I sat through the torturous eight-minute-long video in which he said absolutely nothing new, speculated on a ton of stuff, got Jordan Love's name wrong multiple times, called him Davis Love. That was hilarious. Basically called Brian Gutekunst a puppet for Mark Murphy. Okay. I mean, Gutekunst is the one who makes all the football decisions. But, yeah, sure, go off and... Yep, he's a puppet for Mark Murphy, whatever, which is just fine. <laughs> Mark Murphy actually played in the league. He was a football player. He knows football, so whatever. So you get a bunch of stupid articles that come out. Here's one on Sports Illustrated. They're all quoting this stupid interview, <clears throat> if you can tell how I really feel about it, <laughs> and, you know, as though it's some sort of a source. Jason Lockenfora names Panthers as a logical landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. And then the whole article goes through about, you know, why it would make sense. And then the end of it just says, no, you know, Carolina really needs to stay the course and develop Sam Darnold. Trading for Rodgers makes sense for some teams, but not the Panthers. Lock in for also lists the Broncos, Saints, Raiders, Eagles, and Dolphins as potential landing spots. How do you make a whole article out of this? I have no idea. So we're at May 17th. This is when Lock in and and the interviewer lady had that exchange. May 3rd, two whole weeks ago, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler said Sunday morning on SportsCenter that Rodgers is interested in heading to Las Vegas and that the Raiders are a team to watch as this situation progresses. Quote, Aaron Rodgers is reportedly intrigued by the Raiders as well, so they have to be on this list, says Jeremy Fowler. So is Jeremy Fowler the source? Apparently not. Apparently he's actually referencing a Bleacher Report article that came out the previous day. Bizarrely, the Bleacher Report article lists Jeremy Fowler as a source, but not as a source for Aaron Rodgers saying anything, just as a source that Las Vegas could be interested in Aaron Rodgers. Quote, Rodgers is reportedly intrigued by the Raiders as well. So they have to be on this list. They're happy with Derek Carr. Nothing's going on right now, and they could very well extend Derek Carr sometime soon. But the Raiders looked into every single quarterback situation. They looked at past free agents or trade options. John Gruden is sort of always lurking. You can't discount them. Jeremy Fowler is quoted in here saying, The Raiders also heavily scouted Trey Lance. Lance went number three overall to the 49ers, obviously. Quote, I was asking around about Trey Lance before the draft, and I was told the Raiders were one of the teams that looked most closely at Lance and did a ton of research on all the quarterbacks. Now, the Raiders obviously uh, had a relatively late pick in the draft. They were never in position to take, you know, a guy at number three, but nobody knew that Lance was going that early for sure. Obviously, there was a ton up in the air. When was Lance going to go? Was he going to be a later guy? I had him pretty high. I was a little bit surprised that he went to the 49ers, but obviously the Raiders were interested in him. So the bottom line is we have no idea where this rumor actually came from. The earliest source I can find anywhere is this Bleacher Report by Tyler Conway. So whether this is one of his sources or not, nobody knows. But now, more than two weeks later, now this story is circulating around as though it is new news, new information and that Jason Lockenfor is the source. None of that is true. I am going to go ahead and attribute this rumor to uh, Jeremy Fowler as, as best I can tell. He seems to be the guy trying to 
take the most credit for this. Anyways, we went through all that just so I can tell you it's not new news. People are just talking about it now as though it is something new. Not saying it's false, but it's not new. It's more than two weeks old. This is a old story that is getting recirculated because people don't know how to read and people don't click the actual video and listen to what was said in the actual interview. They just go off of headlines. Let's dig into Mr. Koi Kronk. This is going to be a fun one, actually, I think. So I had uh, Coach Hahn on No Huddle Radio this past week with uh, Gil Martin, and we were talking about all of the new additions to the Packers offensive line, and we kind of ran out of time to talk about Koi Kronk. I was interested in talking about him because uh, Bill Huber wrote a pretty interesting article, I recommend it, on Sports Illustrated about Koi Kronk, talking about how this guy could be the steal of the draft, and that was apparently a quote by some NFL scout. So we ran out of time to talk about Koi Kronk with Coach Hahn, and so after we got off the phone with, with Hahn, I just you know turned to Gil and said, hey, let's, you know, riff on Koi Kronk for like two minutes here because it's worth talking about. And uh, so Co- Coach got back to me later and said, hey, you know, I was watching some Koi Kronk stuff after after uh, the show. He said, my Lord, I missed on this Koi Kronk kid. <laughs> Pre-ankle injury, his first step is lethal. The man is violent. Oh, my word. Aside from the injury, how is he not a second round pick? So, obviously, that got me all juiced up, and I had to watch some tape on him, had to do some some research. I am uh, writing an article about him, and uh, called up Coach on and said, hey, let's talk some Koi Kronk here. Let's let's uh, talk about his tape, figure out what we actually got in the guy. So, let me give you some, some background on, on him first. <clears throat> so, Koi Kronk had 40 consecutive starts at left tackle for Indiana. He was really good. He was a only a, a three-star recruit out of high school, uh, you know. But he's playing left tackle for Indiana, which is not as small of a school as you might believe. If there's one thing that the Big Ten has, it's nasty pass rushers. You got to be good to play offensive line in the Big Ten. Forty consecutive games at left tackle for Indiana. He played uh, every game. For his first three seasons there, he did. He was a, a redshirt rookie. I'm not, not really sure how that works. That he played the whole season, but he was a redshirt rookie. I don't know. But he, he started 40 consecutive games there. Then he breaks his ankle four games into the 2019 season. However, before breaking his ankle, he had a chance to go up against Chase Young. You may have heard of him. He did pretty well. Pretty much shut him down. So he has surgery on his right ankle. This is relevant because he plays left tackle at this point, and you need your right ankle. Uh, that is the foot that you're using to push off of, you know, away from the center on every single snap. Oh, here we go. Here's the answer to my question. So he was able to use a, a red shirt year in 2019 then. So he had a year of eligibility remaining after that. Uh, since he only played in, in four games there. <clears throat> so he then was replaced by true freshman Matt Bedford uh, at left tackle. So at this point, he has three options he is considering. This is a, a, an article written at the time 
uh, Hoosiers Now uh, on Fan Nation, which is a Sports Illustrated production. He's exploring all three options, either going pro, taking his, and his, taking his chances in the NFL draft, staying at Indiana, or entering the transfer portal. Now, if he has stayed at Indiana, they were going to bump him over to right guard to replace Simon Stepniak, now a Packer, who got drafted in the sixth round. Okay, that prospect ticked Kronk off. He was not interested in moving inside at the program he had been playing at for three years as a you know full-time left tackle. At that point, there were scouting reports out on him for the draft. He was considered a mid-round pick. However, the severity of his ankle injury meant that he was going to be limited to just workouts for NFL teams at that point. Sorry, limited his ability to have workouts. So he chooses to enter the transfer portal. It is pretty widely applauded as the correct answer. (laughs) Uh, If he can stay healthy in 2020, his draft stock should improve. Well, obviously, COVID happens in 2020. Also, injury happens. He transfers to Iowa, where he wins the starting right tackle job, plays two games, and then at this point, he has a pretty severe back injury in the second game, causes him to go out. He's missing a bunch of drives in that game, kind of going in and out, and you know they finally uh, uh, pull him for good, and that was the end of his season. Here's an article back from when he broke his ankle. The six foot five, three hundred twenty five pound senior from Lafayette, Indiana. It's funny they're calling him a senior at this point, and then you know obviously he ends up missing the whole year, and then actually has his senior year, which he only gets to play two games in that year. And then due to COVID, he had an extra year of eligibility. He could have been a six year college player technically. Anyways, the six foot five, three hundred and twenty-five pound senior from Lafayette, Indiana, has started every game he's played in for the Hoosiers since he arrived on campus in 2016. A streak that reached 40 games on Saturday, with a game against Michigan State and its number three ranked rushing defense on Saturday. His loss is huge. Replacing a guy like this is nearly impossible. That was obvious on Saturday in the 38 to three win against Connecticut. Right tackle Caleb Jones flipped over to the left side for a while, and Devondre Love and true freshman Matthew Bedford got plenty of snaps as well. Obviously, that ended with Matthew Bedford then winning the starting left tackle job and replacing Koi Kronk. But at the time, this beat writer says, all three played well, but none of them are Kronk, both from a talent and experience level. No question, at one point, this guy... I'm just talking now. I'm not reading. At at one point, this guy was elite. That point was over two years ago. And since then, he has only been able to hurt his draft stock. He ends up not only not being a mid-round pick, he goes undrafted entirely. Thankfully, we have our own resident former offensive line coach, Brian Hahn. Got to rib him a little bit. Call him a former offensive line coach because now he's a head coach. He was telling me he didn't like getting called a former offensive line coach, (laughs) which is why, of course, why I'm doing it. So here's the short answer. The short answer is after watching Kronk's 2020 tape, remember he plays two games and then goes out with a back injury that year after missing pretty much the entire 2019 season with that broken ankle and switching programs 
over to uh, Iowa and switching positions. He's a right tackle instead of left tackle. So with all that in mind, after watching his 2020 tape, Coach Hahn was a little bit less impressed. Bottom line is, still like the guy, still like him at an NFL level, don't necessarily love him at tackle, especially right tackle. Um, and we don't have any recent tape of him at left tackle. Here's some cons about Mr. Coy Cronk. He is slow, can be slow off the ball. Uh, his right foot, this is when he's playing right tackle, uh, the placement of his right foot is kind of back and out a little bit too much. And what Coach Hahn said is that this means you can counter it easily with what he calls an easy cross face. He says NFL defenses have uh, two-gap responsibility. The inside backer can go inside or outside. And what you'll see is these elite pass rushers will start one way and cross the other. And, uh, you know, this inside backer then just shoot over to the other gap. And Kronk is not in a good position to do anything about it at this point. Adam Stenovich and uh, Luke Butkus have got to work on him with that. He does get caught on his ca- on his heels a bit occasionally. Now, the second game that he played in 2020, remember, this is after switching over to the opposite side of the line, switching to a different team um, after missing an entire year, basically. He goes up against, in his second game, he goes up against Purdue, who don't really have anybody except for Mr. Derek Barnes, who was drafted in the fourth round. Derek Barnes is kind of a monster. Uh, he did get drafted by the Lions, which means Kronk may have an opportunity to get rematched with him. But Barnes kind of ate his lunch that day. It wasn't pretty. But you also do have to ask the question, how fair of an evaluation is it here for the reasons I have listed a few times now? It's a little bit kind of like what I say with Jordan Love. Like, there are a lot of excuses that you can make for the quality of, of Love's play and of his development. A lot of very valid excuses. And it also doesn't mean that he's good. Like, automatically. There's a ton of reasons why Koi Kronk sucked in 2020. A ton of excuses for why, if he is still you know, an elite talent that can be a quality starting tackle for you, why he might have looked like crap. But just because there's excuses for why doesn't mean that it necessarily is true that he is elite. But Coach Han was not shy at all about proclaiming that, yeah, the guy could be a really good uh, or, or, you know, really competent guard. Because most of what you see on tape from him that you don't like has to do specifically with, you know, playing tackle. And I'd take it a step further, and this is a little bit me putting words in coach's mouth, kind of has to do more specifically with playing right tackle. He doesn't move to the right very well. Well, if you're playing on the left side of the line, that doesn't matter a ton. If you, you know, you shove him over at left guard or whatever, or I'm not really going to get into whether he could be a, a left tackle for us. Truthfully, I just don't know. He was a quality left tackle at Indiana, but it's Indiana. He seems to always do much better when you got him shoehorned in there into a phone booth and you're, you know, bracketing with a nice tight end. When he's protected with a tight end, he plays a lot better. Well, if you move him inside to a guard, you got a, a built-in guy there 24-7 <laughs> in your tackle. Now, I asked if the ankle injury 
could be the reason why he doesn't move to the right very well. And Coach Allen thought maybe that was it. If it was his left ankle, we did some digging. Zero reports out there mentioned which ankle it was, but I found a photo of the injury. It is his right ankle that he broke. So that doesn't really explain it, uh, but it could provide some limitations if there's any lingering ill effects from that ankle. Uh, could limit him a little bit in his ability to play on the left side. Now, Iowa runs a lot of both zone and gap blocking. Uh, pretty versatile there. Uh, you like to see that versatility from uh, Kronk. He's a very physical run blocker. He loves to run forward and, and just you know move dudes. Very aggressive. Uh, Coach Hahn really noted his work with his hands. He's got quick hands and good hand placement. Also said that he doubles well. Um, he continually struggles in space, though, even in run blocking, not just in pass protection. Uh, but if you put him inside, man up against a nice big D tackle, he can hold his own. Koi Kronk, bottom line, might actually be a really solid option for us at one of our guard positions. If I'm Adam Stenovich, I am very, very tempted to see what we can do with Koi at left guard, which frees you up to put Elton at one of the tackle positions if you are uh, still missing David Bakhtiari. Or you could kick him into center where he is arguably better than at uh, left guard. Of course, you do have Josh Myers, who you know was a four-year starter at, uh, at center for Ohio State. Sorry, three-year starter, not four. Actually, Myers and Koi Krunk were both uh, team captains. Now, his 2019 season which was his last year with Indiana when he broke his ankle. He still stuck around after the injury. He obviously couldn't play anymore, but you know, he's this is the year he was the team captain. He sh- shifted into the role of a coach, it says, and hobbled onto the field for coin tosses. Got a lot of nice quotes from his teammates talking about his leadership and uh, you know, the the unifying force that he was. Kronk is talking to the huge Hoosier network. Says, you know, this is after he's already hurt. It's hard not to wake up with a smile every day. I've been part of three years of really close losses, two losing seasons, two years of not going to a bowl game. Those are never fun, but now you just wake up with a smile on your face, just thankful to be part of the program and get to be in the building. Any doubts in your mind at all as to why the Packers picked him up? And he's a big dude, six foot five, 321 pounds. He's got 31 and a quarter inch arms. The, ta- the Packers only have four guys that you could reasonably put at tackle, unless you want to talk about maybe kicking Royce Newman out to right tackle. Um, I think that would be a disaster, but what do I know? I'm not an offensive line coach. You got Bakhtiari, obviously massive questions about whether he'll be ready to start at the beginning of the year. You don't know. Uh, Elton is your other guy. Elton and, and Billy Turner are your other guys that you could um, – uh, be looking at from last year who had any snaps at all at, at left tackle. Yash Nijman is your other guy. So Koi Kronk versus Yash Nijman. Look, <laughs> Yash has been here for a few years and has yet to see the field. Um, probably probably uh, given Koi Kronk e- even fighting odds for that roster spot there. So we'll see. You know, it, could he actually play at left tackle? I, I am pretty hesitant to say that they would give that job to a undrafted guy. 
especially with some of the problems that we saw in 2020 when he was playing right tackle. Left guard seems like a really solid, solid spot for him. You know, it's what you do. You take take your uh, really good college tackles, kick them inside, and, and make them you know, really competent guards in the NFL. He's a big dude, just a big, tough road grader. Should be able to handle uh, you know, those interior linemen with ease. And by the way, here's the part I totally forgot to mention. You know who he took over for at Iowa? Tristan Wirfs. Tristan Wirfs obviously left to uh, enter the draft, and Koi Kronk won the job from him. But again, that you know, that 2020 tape was just awful, and uh, BFF didn't like him either. Gave him a 55.1 grade in 2020. I've, I don't have stats on what they. I don't. I don't think uh, PFF has any college stats for prior to 2020. Cause I think 2020 is the first year they ever they ever did college stats. Um, but uh, yeah. Hurt his draft stock a ton. So he went from uh, on any of the draft boards and, and profiles that did feature him, uh, you know, after his 2018 season, he was projected to be maybe a third or fourth round pick leading up to the 2021 draft. However, this is a good summary right here. He could draw interest as a late day three flyer, but he's likely destined to be a UDFA camp invite which, of course, is how we ended up here. So that's all I got for you today. I'm excited about Koi Kronk. You know, the question is is just, uh, you know, is the 2020 version that we saw, is that just who he is now? Has he, you know, really taken a big step back? Or can he be who he was in 2018? In which case, you know, a roster spot looks really likely for him. I, I think that uh, if, if he's all healed up, I mean, here's the other thing. In 2020, he was banged up pretty bad still. If he's all healed up and still can do what he did back in 2018, I think that he has a shorter path to the roster than a guy like Cole Van Lannan or Simon Stepniak, Jake Hansen, uh, maybe even over um, Royce Newman. I I don't know, but we'll see. Because if the answer is no, if, if who he was in 2020 is just who he is now, uh, he's, he's not going to stick around very long. So, all right. Thanks for listening. I'm going to get out of here and, uh, talk to y'all soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye.